listen, if you dare, to this Sundown 96.6 presentation. Turn down the lights and plug in your headphones as you are immersed in a spine-chilling realm of alien encounters, ghostly apparitions, hair-raising beasts, unidentified flying objects, and more. Welcome to the Cult Class Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and I'm an artist and paranormal enthusiast. I create art as cult.class on Instagram. I am joined by my husband, Nick. This podcast is your one-stop shop for scary stories, paranormal news, and movie reviews. Listen at your own risk. There may be consequences when meddling with forces beyond human understanding. You have been warned. So sorry, guys. <laughs> we had some technical <laughs> difficulties, but we are back in action now, though. We are back in action. Got it all wrapped up, all together, and we are back to bring you our broadcast. Bring you our broadcast. I wish you guys could see Nick's face because he like he was like alliteration. What am I gonna <laughs> say? You can see the wheels turning. <laughs> um, so Ben is here with us. That's our boxer, our dog. He is. Literally almost trying to be up on the mic. Yes. He's, so he's he, on the ground. If you catch any audio, that's our our third uh, a production engineer. Yeah, our uh, producer. Producer, yeah, there you go. Third ghost co-host. He's the third mic. Yeah. Uh-huh. We actually have two co-hosts in here, but the other dog just sleeps and she doesn't care. Right. Which works out well because actually there have been a few times where she's snoring in the background. I don't I, know if you guys have ever caught that. But. I, if you have picked that up, shoot us a message on the Instagram <laughs> about about the timestamp <laughs> in the episode and uh, and uh, we'll let you know if we got it right. Yeah, maybe there will be a prize. I like uh, that. I yeah. Like that. yeah. Uh, speaking of, I'm just throwing this out there again since we're talking about Instagram. Still nobody has said me anything about the satellites. Well, you know what? I, what, I, what you saw is I think what you saw. I know. You know? I think it was a phenomenon. I think, yeah. I, I asked and still people message me that it was satellites still, but nobody sent me a video. Still to this day, people are messaging me. Anyway, interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. And other interesting news, you have an announcement. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So we've been working really hard on these for months, right? Like six months or something. Yep, a long time. About, yeah. Uh, and I officially have a candy bar. It's three different flavors. Yep. 
and it's a collection. It's a box set. We just released released them, released them for pre-sale, and just so that we'd have them out in time for Christmas. Right. So if you order them now, you'll have them. It's like a good gift. You'll have them in time for Christmas. It's three different pieces of my art, and then the flavors are milk chocolate, cookies and cream, which is titled Cookies and Dreams, and. Love it. A salted dark chocolate. Right, right. And so these come in packs of three mm-hmm. in a beautiful box. So yeah, it's like a branded gr- box. It's a really nice presentation, like you said, a great gift, someone for the holidays, someone at the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because gift, you go over someone, they invite you over, here's a gift, thanks for inviting me, whatever. It's a perfect gift. Yeah, for gift. the art enthusiast or paranormal enthusiast exactly. in your life. Exactly. Nick's my hype man. <laughs> Nick's my sales guy. Uh, but they're, they look great. We You taste tested and approved all, all of them. Of them. Yeah. So they... <laughs> The quality I is amazing. I picked these flavors. Like, I did everything. And all the, I know exactly what you guys are getting. And it's all made in America with premium chocolate. Mm-hmm. And they just taste outstanding. And the artwork is Thank obviously you. incredible. Uh, just so, so hyped for you. And there's one really, really cool opportunity. Uh, oh, I, yeah. Not oh, opportunity, wait, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about the, the ticket. So it's a golden ticket, just like Willy Wonka. Just call you a Willy Wonka from you now on. You know what on. I mean? That's what I'm saying. So... If you get a golden ticket in your box of chocolates, then you get a you win a signed art print from me. That's right. So if you get this golden ticket, shoot a picture to Caitlin's Instagram at colt.class and she will ship you out the prize. Mhm. It's really just a dream come true. Anybody who knows me knows I'm just a sugar lover and a candy lover, a lifelong candy lover. So this is really exciting, and you can get them if you go to my website at cultclassart.com. Uh, you can order them there. Love anyway, it. yeah. So another thing I wanted to bring up that was on my mind yes. that somebody just sent me the article up is that ring cameras are giving away a million dollars. Ring cameras, like the doorbell camera security system. Yes, a million dollars to anybody who can capture an alien on their ring camera. Amazing. That is outstanding. I, I And you have until November the 3rd of this year to get them your footage. <laughs> like that you said, amazing, outstanding. Like as if this was like, you know, like get them their, their footage, cause I, your footage. Because I feel like this is going to be something that a lot of hoax, like people hoax. Well, I think that was very anticipated because they are also giving away $500 to the best faked Oh, no way. Yes. Oh my gosh, I totally didn't know that. No way. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is not like sponsored by Ring or anything. It's just big fans. Go get your money if you can. (laughs) 500 bucks, fake a video. Or if you have a real video, that will be uh, often, yeah, that'll be like checked by professionals. You have a chance to win a million dollars It'll pay out $50,000 a year over two decades. So oh, You've done a lot of research into this. I read the headline, but Nick, I didn't even know this. You're real deep in that. <laughs> Have you been thinking about... Nick's been outside like while I'm sleeping, just walking by a ring camera with, <laughs> with, with a mask on? Or I, a... I don't know. You won't You you won't know if I win a million dollars, but there will be signs. <laughs> There's all these weird like trail cami looking, uh, Bigfoot looking videos of yeah, Nick out yeah. in front of our house. That's right. Also, you said there will be signs that you won a million dollars. What would you buy with a million dollars? 
Oh. First of all, would you tell me that you won, or would you just go? <laughs> <laughs> how how crazy would I'm it like, be if Nick, I didn't we win? We could have paid off our oh house. Why did you buy this yacht? Oh my gosh, no. What would you buy with a million dollars? Yeah, just clear out all our debts, help out family, and then probably I don't know, like take us on a trip somewhere. You know, no, I don't know about like super material things, but like go and do something super memorable. You know, That's so nice. Yeah. What about you? I mean, all that, I guess, you know, that's the reasonable stuff. Yeah. But I always think of, like, fun things to buy, you know? <laughs> totally. Probably go get, like, any I, action figure you I ever wanted. I was just going to say, I don't buy really crazy <laughs> big things. It would be, like, me going to a Comic-Con. Yo, And just, man, like, yeah. just like cleaning out. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'll get you a Check part of that extra suit. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just treating everybody, like, uh-huh. action figures on me. Totally, totally, Candy totally. bars and action figures on me. <laughs> that, that, that's what I would do with a million dollars, probably. Fun. And all the things you said, all the reasonable things. Without further ado... Let's jump into this week's episode. When the night falls, when the shadows become deep and black, the silent pall of evil settles on the earth. Who dares to search? Who dares to see what walks in the night? If you dare, welcome to Sundown this is sundown966.com for more details and merch. <laughs> Space. Good. This house is yours if you want it. We'll take it. <laughs> okay. It's just me. You didn't see it, did you? You didn't see it, did you? Didn't see, it. see what? She knew. She was drawing angels. I traveled 400 miles. I've got no memory. Past few months, people have been coming up to me and reporting strange things. Weird lights. Strange phone calls. Hello? Who is this? How do you do when someone comes into your office and tells you they saw this in their backyard? My wife saw some drew pictures just like this. Who showed you this? You know what that is? One day I started hearing voices. The voices became messages. It was right here. All I could see were these two red eyes. I met him. You met him? He said, do not be afraid. Ninety-nine will die. Ninety-nine will die. All ninety-nine are believed dead. You're reading my mind, are you? What's in my hand? 
Last week's movie club pick was The Mothman Prophecies from 2002. I have never seen that movie, and I loved it. Oh my gosh, me too. I had never seen it. I loved it too. They don't just don't make movies like they used to make. No, them. and you're a big fan. You're a big X-Files fan. Yep. And I would argue even bigger than me, I think. And somebody um, sent me a review. They were like, I just love this review of this movie. And it was, the review said that the Mothman Prophecies was like an extended episode of X-Files where I don't know why I said it like that X-Files where Richard Gere was both Scully and Mulder <laughs> and I, I felt like that was so accurate that is spot on I love that right it's kind of like I'm going to use that to describe that to people moving forward yeah I feel like it's like of the era too 100% 100% so like even the filming was early similar early 2000s uh, absolutely yeah late 90s yeah, yeah yep, like yep. So anyway, I thought that That's was really a funny. I like funny that a review because I, because it just was pretty accurate. But um, I really enjoyed it. I honestly wasn't looking forward to watching it. So so many of you also messaged me and told me how much you love this movie and commented and stuff. So I know that people love this movie, but I just wasn't looking forward to it because I was like, I know the Mothman story, and I was like, what could they do with it? I just feel like Mothman. Yeah only goes so far because it only happened at a certain time in history mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that in a second but it happened and it kind of like is done and so I was kind of like what could this movie do that would be interesting and honestly I was blown away absolutely yeah me too I thought one of the coolest components about the whole movie is that you never really saw Mothman the whole time like, there yeah. was the drawings, and, like, from his perspective, right, as it was, like, kind of buzzing around and flying around. Yeah, and they're kind of, like, trippy, flashy <clears throat> scenes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like, outside the window looking in kind of stuff. But you never you never see a full, like, it, him in frame, you yeah. know? I just thought that was, I just think that, and it comes to, like, our kind of gripe with movies nowadays, it's such, I feel like, more skillful, takes more talent to like really tell a story without really showing stuff like now mm-hmm. like there's so much like gore and mm-hmm. you know everything is so leaves nothing to the imagination and i do feel like we've talked about this a lot on this podcast and about our movies we've watched but a lot of times your imagination is scarier than whatever anybody 100%. could come up with yes yes yeah i couldn't agree more and i feel like the drawings were so great because it was so much creepier. Uh-huh. Like why was his wife drawing that? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I, I can't imagine if if you were just suddenly drawing, like, it really looks like an angel of death. Like, right. Mothman has that look. It's just a big black creature with big black wings. Uh-huh. And if you started just, like, 
drunk, like your spouse or your friend or something. Just yeah. like, that's so much scarier than even like, like you said, like seeing something. It's just like, what is going on? I like, know it. Then you're worried about the person, you know, like they had, you know, Richard Gere is just like very conflicted about his wife and her sickness and like, and then why is she seeing this? And then, and it isn't until like, you know, things start to play out that right. he, you know, finds reason with these drawings. And so it's kind of fun because it's almost like a little treasure map too. Like you're getting like um, this drawing and that drawing, and then this person's telling you something, then this right, person's telling exactly. you something, and then the sheriff, uh, Laura Linney, by the way, crushes. I don't know if she was a sheriff or a cop. I don't remember, but just, yeah, just the town cop or whatever. But such an underrated actress. Crushes and everything she's in. Every, we were watching and talking about that. She's just like, she is always so great. Yes. I mean, oh, she's great. And so she was great. so good in this movie. Yeah, she really, really was. And I think the best scene, so honestly, even when I was watching it, I was a little like, uh, like I, I turned it on and Nick was kind of in the other room and I was like, well, maybe he'll watch it another time and I'll just like turn it on. And when Richard Gere goes to the guy's house and the guy pulls a gun on him and he's like, you've been here three nights in a row. <laughs> and Richard Gere is like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. That's when I paused the movie and I was like, Nick, we gotta, I like, I was like, I'll, I won't watch it right now. This is too good. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just your normal Mothman. Like, here's what happened yeah. sort of thing. I no, guess totally. is what we're getting at. Cause like, yeah, whenever we clicked it on, I, I started watching it with you. It was at first like, oh, this guy has gone like cuckoo bananas, right? He's like obviously missing time. That's like the thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I thought that was like really cool. What about whenever, so like fast forward from that a little bit and the cops now involved, they're like buddy, buddy. And she takes him to the house of the lady that saw Mothman through the window, the Mm -hmm. old lady. Mm -hmm. And the kid came out and they're looking at the tree and remember at the base of the tree, it was like burned. Yeah, it was what like was a Mothman all, symbol. What was all that about? I don't know, but I love... We don't really talk about that. Yeah, I was they curious, kinda, though. They kind of implied that it was on the front of his car, too, when they hit... When, the, when they got in the car accident. The it's died. like a mark of death or something, is what I was uh, thinking. Oh, okay. And I also love the end of that scene where they kind of zoom out as if you're flying over her house. Yes. It's sort of the view of Mothman, and they do that a couple times, like, over the town. Oh, yeah. It's, like, so, over Point Pleasant, like, sort of, like, as if you were Mothman flying right. over. There's also a few shots where it's, like, from the bushes or from the window uh-huh. or something where you're kind of maybe the in the Mothman's perspective. Totally. I really just love also how they started pulling in um, old other folklore and other urban legends because, like I said, Mothman sort of has this harbinger of death mm-hmm, reputation. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And he certainly looks like an angel of death, like I said. And so it kind of gave me like Hellhound vibes. And then they talked about Chernobyl oh, yeah. and how people saw something similar. It was like a raven or something. Right, it was something right, very right. similar before uh, Chernobyl happened. Yes. And so there's things in history that sort of are similar to Mothman, which then gave greater context to Mothman. Because, again, I I always just think of Mothman as this sort of one-off story. Mm -hmm. And I like that the movie even did that, where it gave, like, this whole big picture, and it had this other guy who was like, no, I was seeing things, like, unrelated to the Point Pleasant classic Mothman story. But, like, I was seeing bad things, and nobody believed me, and then this happened, or whatever. So I think it more, they played a lot into just, like premonitions and and death and like i i just i just love that they it was such a thorough full story instead of just like the story of mothman 
a hundred percent. They did such a great job. And it kept you entertained. Yeah, it really did. And you're like rooting for Richard Gere, and I uh-huh. love that. Um, okay, so we'll get into Indrid Cold in a second. Wait, yes, we will. Uh, I had never heard about the the Smiling Man, Indrid Cold. Me either. And I love that it was the guy who thought Richard Gere was crazy in the beginning ends up being like the craziest by uh-huh, the end. Uh-huh. Um, and that he calls him after he died. Wait, how wild is that? That was a great scene. This whole movie's pretty trippy. It's, it's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, it really, really is. Just like extended X Files. For real. <sighs> That's it. That's it. Uh, time of death was eight hours ago. When did he call <laughs> you? When did he call you an hour ago? What? I know, we were like, I was like, I was looking down or something, I was like, wait a second, no, that means he was already dead. Um, but Injured Cold, I had never heard of. Now, this is, again, talking about giving a thorough story of Mothman. Uh, and also, if you really like this movie, a lot of people also messaged me and told me that the book is amazing. Right, I think yes. I might read it. So... There's a book, The Mothman Prophecies, and a lot of this comes from the book, But so maybe they're very thorough in the book. But the Injured Cold edition was new to me, and we're going to get into that, but I liked that component because then he was calling people and stuff. Like yes. It wasn't just Mothman, this like creature flying around. No, yeah, they personified his whole everything yes. to kind of have this like tangible, yeah, like kind of thing about him and he's like literally like telling fortunes and yeah. not fortunes but he's like telling richard Gere, like yeah like what are you holding what are you doing what yes are you, yes you yes. know um like he could see all things or something and his through his mind's eye, something yeah. yeah so i love that and we're actually going to get into injured cold for our scary story this week mm-hmm. so let's do that this week's <laughs> i don't know why i can't, I can't speak this week's movie club pick is the changeling from 1980 this is a listener request from bob um i i don't know that i've ever watched this movie all the way through it's a classic so i'm excited so this week's movie club pick is the changeling from 1980 scary story is the story of Indrid Cold and the story of the Mothman. So to set the scene, just in case anybody isn't familiar with Mothman, for several months towards the end of 1966, the eyes of the world were focused on West Virginia, specifically on Point Pleasant. Scores of people all reported seeing something similar, This creature became known as the Mothman. All of this seemed to lead to a terrible disaster when the Silver Bridge collapsed. On December 15, 1967, and 46 people died. All of this dominated headlines in newspapers. However, buried deep inside the pages of the press were claims of another bizarre sighting, that was overshadowed by Mothman and the Silver Bridge. His name was Indrid Cold, also known as the Grinning Man. This is the story of Indrid Cold. Mr. Woodrow Derenberger made his living by selling sewing machines. November 2nd, 1966 was a long day for him. By 7 p.m., he was driving along a hill just outside Parksburg 
on Interstate 77 and was looking forward to arriving at home. On this cold and wet evening, the last thing he wanted was to have to stop on the side of the road to replace a sewing machine that had become dislodged in the back of his vehicle. The sewing machine was undamaged and he quickly resituated it. Woodrow might have parked a little bit better, but he left enough room for other commuters to pass by his stationary vehicle while he tended to his business. None of these drivers came forward to confirm Woodrow's account of what followed. Having returned to the driver's seat of his van and continued on his way, a set of headlights passed him and began to slow down in front of him. For the second time, Woodrow had to stop. This time, he had to do so in the middle of the road. Careful not to dislodge any other appliances in his van, Woodrow was driving conservatively and likely not driving anywhere near the speed limit. Despite this, his first thought centered on a patrol car and a possible sobriety test. He quickly dismissed this conclusion when he realized that he was not looking at a car at all. Whatever this was, it was shaped much like an old-fashioned kerosene lamp with a central bulge and flared edges. A door slid open and a man exited. According to Woodrow, this man was average in many ways. He had a deep tan and hair that was dark and swept back. A deep tan was unusual for this time of the year, but the huge grin that this man wore was easily the most striking thing about his appearance. As soon as the man exited, he began to head in Woodrow's way. As the distance shortened, Woodrow noted that this man had a dark overcoat on, and beneath that he wore a metallic-looking uniform that was green and glistened in the limited light. The man's arms were folded, and both sets of knuckles seemed to nestle within his own armpits. The man spoke. He identified himself as Indrid Cold. And said that he came from a place less powerful than the United States. He was very reassuring and admitted that he was flesh and blood just like Woodrow and in no way special or spectacular. Indrid also openly encouraged Woodrow to report the encounter to the authorities, and confirmation would follow. Before he returned to his vehicle, Indrid revealed that this would be just the first of several such meetings the pair would have. The whole message was delivered by something similar to telepathy, and not a single word was spoken verbally. Both Indrid Cold and the vehicle departed the scene. Indrid Cold did keep his word, Woodrow received several additional visits from the same man. On some of these subsequent visits, Indrid was not alone. Woodrow revealed that his new friends came from a planet called Lanulos. Did I say that right? You nailed it. <laughs> Lanulos. And that during one visit, he was allowed to take a trip there. Oh, so Woodrow went to the planet. Okay. Um, after the last of these meetings, Woodrow sought out renowned... UFO investigator John Keel, who happened to also write a book about Mothman. And report he wrote Mothman Prophecies, just for everybody. That's the book I was referring to. And reported events in great detail. 
Purportedly, during Keel's investigations, he often received mysterious phone calls from someone calling himself Indrid Cold. This was nothing new for him, of course, but he did mention persons and not person. Keel believed that whoever phoned him was an informed third party. Despite this, Keel wrote a foreword in Woodrow's book, Visitors from Lanulos. 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 <laughs> sorry for anybody who's from Lanulos. <laughs> the planet Lanulos. Lanulos. <laughs> I'm just butchering the name left and right. No offense to you guys. You know, <laughs> if you're listening. I think you got it. Woodrow was not the only person to report an appearance from a sinister-looking, grinning man. On the very same night, on the very same road, two other men saw an elongated object land in front of their vehicle. They were forced to stop, and they watched as a man disembarked and headed their way. He wore a dark coat and folded arms in such a way that could be considered uncomfortable. He asked both men questions that seemed pointless to them before the man returned to the craft that subsequently took off. There are other versions of the legend involving other sightings. However, not much else has been heard of from the Grinning Man since the 1960s. Who he was is unknown, but many consider the encounters to have been a contrived hoax. Nonetheless, he has earned a legendary reputation that persists to this day among the Men in Black and the Black-Eyed Kids. Interestingly, a recent admission by a man on Reddit claims that he was injured cold. What a wild story. Planet Lalunos. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Lanuos? Len- <laughs> Lanulo? Len- I'm not sure. Um... I have never heard this story. I've never heard the words Indrid Cold. I feel like I've heard a Grinning Man before. Yeah. But I just have never heard of this until we watch Mothman Prophecies. And it's interesting that it all happened at the same time as Mothman. But then it is also like, well, is it a hoax? Is it? Yeah, right. You know, kind of on the this guy just. Yeah. Who, I don't know. Um,. I fu- you know, I love the setting yeah. of all of this, including Mothman, because all these encounters are like on these old backcountry mm-hmm, roads. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of it is creepy enough for 100%. me. 100%. Me too. Me too. And I love like the innocence of which these un- stories are unraveling. Like this guy, he's leaving work. Oh, yeah. He's and, like you know, a salesman. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the same with the other two men that were on the back road. Yeah, yeah. They're just like guys. Right, just like, yeah, just kind of doing whatever. Yeah. It's very interesting, very, you know, monotonous. It was like... But it's like, do we trust anybody? That's right. You know what I mean? I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, doing this podcast, someone reached out to me. It was a follower of mine. And they were like, look, I've been in the military for a long time. And just because somebody's in the military, it does not make them a credible person. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And they said they're liars and they're like messed up people in every industry and anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. And I've never forgotten that. And that was like, because I always just feel like with the UFO stuff that like people are always like, well, they were, you know, it's an army guy or something. You know, I don't know. So it's a veil of truth, you know. Yeah. It's like gives like this like 
I don't know, carries more weight. But so I don't know. Do we trust anybody? Right. Who knows? Right. So when Indrid Cold showed up, are they implying that he was in a UFO and they were like, it didn't look like a car? It looked like lanterns or whatever? It's, yeah, an elongated object is what they well, said. Well, that's what they said about the second one. With the right, two right. guys. Yeah, but the I... The first one they said it was like a lantern or something. Yeah. Did I hear that right? Or... Yeah, no, you did. Um, I think the assumption is both, right? Okay, so, so both both encounters. It's is like injured cold. Yeah, exactly. So it's maybe appearing two different ways. Okay, but both like from vehicles that are not like a car so it's like yes because exactly. i'm tying this to like a ufo uap right alien story. yeah 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 because okay, we talked about encounters the show i don't know if you guys ended up watching it on netflix um so good it was really it ended up being really good but there's a lot of telepathy in that and there's a lot of telepathy in a lot of supposed alien encounters over time mm-hmm. and so then i was just thinking I wonder if that, you know, I know. But initially he's like saying he's a person and then he ends up being, then he's saying that he's an alien. And then Woodrow goes with him to the planet. So it is all getting like a little crazy. Yeah. Me. I don't know. I mean, it's like, that's fine if that happened, like more power to him. But right, right. just getting like, I'm, you know, losing track of the story. Here. No, right. No, yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to follow. It's pretty outrageous. Yeah, well, it's. Um, I was actually watching a special this morning on History Channel, and they were talking about how the men in black are maybe aliens and not, like, part of our government. Just like Fringe. If you guys have never watched Fringe. I was just about to say. Oh, my gosh. If you guys have never watched the show Fringe and you like X-Files and stuff like that, please check it out. And if Nick is an X-Files fan, I am a Fringe fan. And also an X-Files fan. We, We like them both. But Fringe is amazing, and they talk about the men in black. But it made me think of this grinning man because he looks like a person mm-hmm. and um is wearing a trench coat and yep, kind yep. of the same vibe uh, exactly yes maybe they're from that same planet it could be Lanus. that i'm not gonna say the name Lanus. of Lanus. <laughs> Lanus. i don't know <laughs> so we didn't have a listener story this week because i actually pulled an interview with woodrow durenberger from the time period that Absolutely. he did. Uh, it's, and it's so cool. Yeah, and I, I totally think it's much more applicable um, than some of the stories that we, we have ready for you guys in the coming weeks. But Yeah, we wanted to save those because this, this story, this interview is so long that I thought I would just save the listener stories because they're so great and give them their own moment. So this right now is going to be Woodrow Durenberger. And we're going to leave you guys with this. This is the end of the episode for us. Mm-hmm. So check out this interview. This is an interview he gave back when all this happened. Absolutely. Check it out, and we will see you guys next week. Yep, and remember to watch The Changeling from 1980. We are here to talk to a man that allegedly did make contact with such an object within the Parkersburg area last evening, November the 2nd, 1966, at approximately 7.25 p.m. The incident allegedly took place on Interstate Highway 77 near the interchange of Route Number 47. This gentleman is a salesman in the area. He has been a resident of the area for the past 50 years, and he has given us permission to interview him, to show his face, and to call him by name. This in itself takes a lot of initiative and, to be very plain, a lot of know-how. Mr. Dunberger... In your own words, would you please relate what happened last night? Well, I was—I am a salesman, and I drive a truck, 
And last night, uh, shortly after 7 o'clock, I was coming from Marietta, Ohio, coming down Interstate 77. And just before I came to the intersection of uh, Route 47, there was a car passed me, overtaking me from behind. And following closely behind this car was this unidentified flying object. And as the car ahead, or the car behind passed me, this object was following close behind it, and it swerved directly in front of my truck, turning crosswise. And when it turned crosswise, it slowed down. It started slowing not abruptly or too fast, but it gave me plenty of time to step on my brakes and slow down with it. But it forced me to come to a complete stop. As soon as I had stopped, there was a door opened in the side of this vehicle, and this man stepped out and came directly to me, or came to the truck. He walked to the right-hand side of the truck, and he told me to roll down the window. He asked me to roll down the window on my right-hand side of my truck, and I had done what he asked. And this man stood there, and he, uh, he first asked me, what I was called, and I knew he meant my name, and I told him my name. And uh, he asked me, he said, uh, why are you frightened? He said, don't be frightened, we wish you no harm. He said, we mean you no harm, we wish you only happiness. And uh, I told him my name, and when I told him my name, he said he was called Cold. That was the name that he was called by. And he asked me what the city of Parkinsburg, he pointed to the lights. He didn't point, but he gave the impression that he was pointing, and he asked me what that was called. And I told him it was a Parkinsburg, it was a city, a town. And he asked me if most all the people lived in my, this city or town. And I explained to him uh, that it was a place of business. It's where we transacted our business, that the people lived in communities, outlying communities, most of the people. And when I told him that this was a city, he said that his, where his home was, that that was called a gathering. And uh, again, he told me not to be frightened, which I was. I was, I was very frightened. And as far as I can understand, this was all mental. There was no spoken words from him. I knew what he was asking me, but yet he stood there and his mouth did not move. He had a smile on his face. He was he appeared very courteous and friendly. And after I talked with him a while, he told me he would see me. He said, we will see you again, and he left in his vehicle. Now, Mr. Dernberger, for the sake of our television audience here, uh, the the words that you used, cold, cold would be like uh, cold is his name. This is how it sounded to you that his name was cold. Yes. And That's the the word gathering was like uh, we would know together or something like this. Yes, that's what he meant. That was the impression that he gave. And he did not move his lips nor utter any sound whatsoever. He he talked with you in, in telepathy then. That 
was right, that his lips did not move. He uttered no words at all. But you talked. I mean, you, he did Yes, I talked. He told me, he told me twice that I could either talk or I could think, which either would be better or easier for me. This was an instant thing. This wasn't, there was no hesitation on his part nor on your part. You knew immediately what he was That's communicating correct. to you, and he knew immediately what you were communicating to him. That is right. Mm -hmm. uh, what did this object, what color was this object? This object was between a real dark gray and black. I would call it a charcoal color. It glistened in my headlights. My headlights, when it stopped me, my headlights were shining directly on it. it uh, were there lights in it? No, I see no lights of any kind. There was no lights in it. There were windows. If there was windows, I couldn't detect them. I couldn't see them. And when the door, now, uh, you could, you had a very clear view from behind the wheel of your van, uh, uh, the driver's seat of your van. Yes. He came forward toward you. Bef did he tell you, did he communicate to you to roll your window down before he got to the side of your truck? Well, was he still in your headlights when he communicated? He was, he was still in my headlights, walking in a, in a kind of a diagonal way across my headlights to the right-hand side of my truck when he told me then to roll down, if I would please roll down the window on the right-hand side of my truck. Uh, now, in the beginning, you were driving south on 77. Correct. From Marietta. Yes. Toward uh, Mineral Wells. Yes. A car passed you. It did. Immediately behind this car of what distance? I would say between 25 and 30 feet. It was very close to the other car. Uh, came this object yes. uh, hovering how far off the ground, would you say? Well, when, it, when I first seen it, uh, I, I, I seen it out of the corner of my eye, and I first thought it was just another car, and then I knew it wasn't a car almost immediately, and I turned and looked at it. And I would say it was approximately 30 to 35 feet long. And it came directly across, past my truck, and immediately turned sideways. It was completely crossed the two-lane highway. It was, it completely blocked me. I went partly <coughs> off of the road onto the berm to try to go around it, but I couldn't get around it. it now, let me ask you something. Uh, this, then when it came in front of your car, may I have, uh, the, uh, Mr. Dernberger was kind enough to draw us a sketch of what this, object appeared to him, uh, and we'll, we'll let you see it here. Uh, I'm correct, then, that the, the object came alongside of your car, veered in front of your car, and as you slowed, or your truck, and as you slowed your truck down, the object slowed down, and then when it landed, it didn't land, it, it stayed off the ground. Yes, it was approximately eight to ten inches off of the ground. And as soon as it came to a stop immediately, there was a door on the side facing me open, and this man stepped out. And he started walking immediately right to the right-hand side of my truck. Now, this, uh, that would be then uh, the picture we have on our screen right now. That would, be the, that would be the angle. Your truck would be going right at that. Is that the idea? That's, that's Pointed right. right. Now, where would the door be in, uh, in that particular object well, there? It would be right where the large part of the drawing starts. Where, where the hump is? Oh, yes, in the, right in the where front the hump. of the hump. 
Would it be in this direction here? Uh, back toward the right. Th no, that's too far, Mr. Wilson. Back up front farther. About here? Right there. Not even here. Approximately right there. And the door, it, uh, it resembled just an ordinary automobile door when it opened. All right. Now, this, it, 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 it didn't open from a bottom hinge or a top hinge. It opened from a side hinge. It opened the from the... We know opens. Yes, it opened from the side. How about, uh, would you, how was this gentleman, uh, how was this person dressed? Uh, what what well, type of clothing uh, did he wear? He had a top coat on, and it was zippered down the front. Uh, his top, uh, the top two buttons... Like my coat here were open, and he this uh, outfit was a, a shiny material. It was a, a glossy outfit, uh, like it was metallic, I suppose you would call it. And his shirt was a little bit darker than his jacket. And below his coat, he had on trousers of uh, the same kind of a cloth material. And I believe the trousers were just a shade lighter than his coat. Which would have been a uh, navy blue, the coat yes. would have been a dark blue yes. coat. Uh, what, about the, uh, what about the texture of his skin, the color of his skin, uh, his eyes, eyebrows, eyelashes, hairline? Uh, what, what were these? Uh, what did he look like? He looked perfectly natural and normal as any human being. He had, uh, his face looked like he had a, a good tan, a deep sun tan. He was not too dark. But it was just like he had been out in the sun a lot and had a good tan. His hair was combed straight back, and it was a dark brown. And he seemed to have uh, a good thick head of hair. And his eyebrows, his face, uh, his features were very normal. Uh, I don't believe that he looked any different from any other man that we'd meet on the street. Now, this ship that he stepped out of, when he came up, when he left the ship and started toward your truck, toward your van, the ship remained there as he walked toward you? Or no. Immediately that he stepped out of the truck, or out of his vehicle, the door closed and the vehicle lifted straight up. It went straight, just as straight as you could point upward. And it went up, and uh, I did see it, and uh, occasionally as I was talking to this man, I looked up, and it was still there. It was approximately 50 to 75 feet off of the ground, and it stayed there all the time this man was talking to me. Now, when he, did, uh, when he talked to you, did he uh, turn his head away as I'm turning my head away now, or did he uh, stare right at you, or did uh, uh, what, what, was, what was his movement? He watched me when he was talking to me. He looked at me directly in the face. But as uh, there were several cars and several big trucks passed, and uh, as these big trucks had passed, he would turn his head and glance at the trucks. But there was no... Uh, did you look at the object in the air while he was talking with you? Did you glance up at Yes. I, in fact, I, I leaned forward and looked kind of out of my windshield, and I could see it. It was still... So then this communication that, you, that he had with you would not necessarily depend upon him looking you in the eye or anything like that, then, evidently? No, no, I, he did not. In fact, when he first got out of the vehicle, when he told me to roll the window down, he, it was impossible for him to see my eyes because I was behind my own headlights, and he could not have done it. How old would you say he was? 
He looked to be approximately 35, 40 years old. He was very nice looking man. He was neat. And uh, what specifically did he say to you? What did he say? Hi, it's a nice evening. Or what? I mean, what, why did he stop you? What? Did, what was his? When he when he asked me to roll the window down, which I did, I rolled the window down, and he told me he said, uh, "I would like to talk to you." And uh, I just couldn't answer him. I just couldn't speak. And at that that is the first time he told me not to be frightened. He said he wished me no harm. And uh, he talked a little bit in this vein. He asked me why. He said, "Why are you?" frightened of us. He said, we are the same as you. He said, we eat, we breathe, we sleep, we bleed, even as you do. He said, we are like you. Mm -hmm. he, and he said, please be not frightened. Did he say where he was from? He did not say where he was from, but when he asked me what Parkinsburg was, and I told him, he said, at, uh, at where, I, where I stay or where I live, my home, he said, we call this a gathering. Did he say anything about him? Did he volunteer? Uh, did he did he have a family? What did what did, uh, did he ask you what you did for a living? Where you were? No, he asked me. Life? He he asked me if I if I worked for a living. He asked me if I if I had to work to live, and I explained to him what I was. I he even asked me where I lived, and I told him, and I told him that I was a salesman, and he told me that he was a searcher. A searcher. A searcher. But he didn't tell you what he was searching for. No, he didn't. The uh, time when he when he left you, when he when your conversation was ended, how did you know that it was all over? How, did he say, "Well, that's"? Did he say anything to the effect that, "Well, I've got to be going now. I have to go. I know." Uh, what did? How did he terminate this conversation? He he terminated his conversation very quickly. Uh, one second we were talking there, and the next thing this vehicle settled down right beside. He stepped back from the truck, and the, when he stepped back, this thing came back back down. Now it wasn't crosswise the road when it came down; it was heading in the same direction I was. It was right, right the length of okay. the truck. And when it settled down, he turned and walked up around in front of my headlights and back. But just before he started, he said, uh, "Mr. Dernberger, we will be seeing you again." You believe he will? Well, uh, I did believe it, but now I, I don't know how to an answer that honestly because I'm afraid he will, and I don't want him to. But I, I have a feeling that he will. You're apprehensive that he yes. will see you yet, uh, yet again. You, yet you would probably like the. Uh, experiencing it. Well, I don't, think, I don't think that I'd be quite so frightened. I think that I could ask him a few questions. I think I could ask him just about as many as he's asked me now. Well, Mr. Dernberger, we're, uh, because of time, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come down here with us. This has been a Sundown 96.6 FM production.